Miles, speaking of finesse, uh, tell me when you're ready. Pull that clip we played earlier before he got here. I won't I won't go to it until you're ready. About his name, uh, <laughs> for those who may not have heard the first hour. At the top of the first hour, I always tease what's coming up in the second and third hour. Gotcha. And we played this clip in the first hour. You ready, Miles? Uh, play, play it again. Just did a show the other night as a warm-up in a rice lip. You know, and people coming up to me after the show. Oh, my God, you were so funny. And you smell so good, Febreze. I'm, no, it's... it's Next. Oh. Okay, whatever. Yeah, dog, you was funny as hell. Thanks, bro. So when you gonna perform again, Fantasia? <laughs> Finesse, dog. Well, that's what I, what I say. You said Fantasia. That's what you said. Oh, my bad. <laughs> well, do your thing, fitness. Whatever, dude. Whatever. <laughs> so I, my name is Tavis, obviously. I've been called everything but a child of God. Uh, but at the same time, uh, at the same time, uh, uh, with a name like Finesse, <laughs> uh, you, you know the jokes are going to come, right? Oh, man. You know, in the beginning, because uh, they didn't start really calling me that till the uni till I got to the University of Miami. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to, you know, I was playing football. And back then in the 90s, it was a championship team. All of the guys came from the hood in Miami, mm -hmm. all over South Florida. Mm -hmm. And then we pulled the best athletes out of Texas. Mm -hmm. So it was gold teeth versus gold teeth <laughs> from two different areas. And I'm from Atlanta. And Tavis, there was no way in hell I was going in that locker room telling them my name was Alfred. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we. Uh, so, so, so how, how did finesse then come to be? Well, I was uh, talking to this AKA. It was pretty much like the um, the movie Drumline with uh -huh. Nick Cannon back in the day. Right. I was talking to this AKA on campus, and she was a senior. I saw her. A I saw the jacket. She was talking to another AKA, and I just made my move. I just went over there, like, so, ladies, can I uh, show you guys around? And da 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 da. Not knowing anything about college, it was literally my first day on campus. Mm -hmm. And they said, "Fool, you a freshman? Mm -hmm. We can tell." Because I was like, why? She was like, uh, because you going into the uh, library. No, I said something like, uh, over here is the library. She said, that's the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, well, then over here. She said, where are you from? And so this other dude walked up and started talking to her. And then she, and then they said, who is this? And she said, this is Mr. Finesse. Mm. Hey, Mr. F and he said, what's up, Finesse? And I was like, oh, hey, what's up, dog? And then somebody else walked over. And it was like, hey, what's up, Finesse? Hey, hey. And then some girl, more girls walked over, and everybody started introducing each other. And they was like, and who's this guy? And it was like, this is Finesse. Oh, hey, hey. Man, I went in that locker room. <laughs> Two fights broke out on the first day of practice. And all I remember is this dude saying, hey, buddy, what's your name? And I was like, Finesse. <laughs> and he said, I like that. That's smooth. That's smooth mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's it. And it stuck just, all these years later. Yep. And that's how you got the stage name. And so when I started doing uh, stand-up, I remember Jamie Foxx saying one day that they were hating on him because, you know, they didn't want him to go up. Mm -hmm. And he did, and he said, well, let me use a name where they didn't know if it was a guy or a girl mm. for, for open mic. So that's how he came up with Jamie Foxx. And so then I said, okay, well, let me go up on stage and just say finesse because they were like, we need three girls versus three guys. And they didn't know mm -hmm. who finesse was. So I just put finesse Mitchell. And when they called me, I was like, that's me. And I went up there and... <laughs> That was it. Um, let me, let me, this is probably an unfair question to ask with a minute and a half. So we'll, we'll start mm -hmm. and we'll continue when we come forward. Uh, when you look back on your time on SNL, you think what? I think I did it wrong. You know, you know, 
in as, my as opposed to them doing it wrong or doing you wrong. Well, you know, when you're younger, you said they did me wrong. Mm -hmm. When you're older and you reflect back, I said I did it wrong. Uh, I didn't have the work ethic. Mm -hmm. I was more caught up in the city and the nightlife. Mm -hmm. We didn't have social media, cell phones back then that did what they do now. Mm -hmm. But the partying, it was going from BET's comic view to being thrusted on the Saturday Night Live, being told you're taking Tracy Morgan's spot mm -hmm. and you're working with Keenan Thompson. Mm -hmm. And then we're going in together. And it was just sort of like us against, you know, the establishment. But at the time, it was just being happy to be there mm -hmm. when I should have been working on the craft of what the show was. And I didn't really figure that out until I was off the show. Hold that thought. That's wisdom speaking. Mm -hmm. And I know so few people who have. <laughs> but they did me wrong, Tavis. <laughs> I hate whiting. <laughs> but I, exactly. I know so few people who have the humility. And even if they have the humility to to acknowledge that they're not transparent enough to say it publicly, yeah, I want to I want to I want to interrogate that when we come forward. You if, got if, it. if you're okay doing that. Our guest is SNL alum, comedian, actor, podcaster, husband, uh, 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 father. father. Of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all that. All that. All that. Uh, and he, and he's smooth. Uh, Finesse Mitchell on Tab Smart. Seeking the truth. The truth. Speaking the truth. The truth. This, this is the Tavis is the Smiley, Smiley Show. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Finesse Mitchell. Uh, we had our rough first hour talking about Israel and Hamas, and we'll get uh, uh, Finesse's take on some of that. Um, com comedians always... Uh, uh, impress me we have a special and, take on that type of stuff Tavis. exactly that stuff <laughs> and how they do it i do not know <laughs> how they do it in real time i do not know and they can take anything and find the funny in it so we, we may get some of that stuff some politics a little bit later uh i just announced on this program uh, before you walked in the studio finesse that jim jordan went down a second time so the and second a, and vote, third yeah, and then fourth yeah we we ain't there yet but right, right now we're two <laughs> and the numbers ain't going in the right direction he had fewer votes the second time Wow. Then you had the first time. Mm -hmm. So we'll get your take on some politics as we move through this hour. Um, but, I, but I want to come back to where we were a moment ago, and that is um, your, you know, just transparency. Mm -hmm. um, because I believe that what comes from the heart reaches the heart. Mm -hmm. And I believe that persons uh, of your stature who share these sorts of stories transparently about what they've learned. Uh, I mentioned this the other day. Um, one of the books I wrote, um, on, this one was on the 20th anniversary of my being in the business. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to write a book uh, about, you know, something about 20. And the okay. thought essentially was that I'd write a book about, you know, 20 great stories, 20 great things that did happen to me during my career nice. uh, at, at, at 20 years in. And I, I didn't I wasn't really crazy about this. I went the other way. <clears throat> I wrote a book <laughs> called Fail Up. And, mm -hmm. I, and the book was about the 20 worst mistakes I'd ever made in my career. And mm -hmm. the lessons I learned from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And when they saw the book sales on that thing, mm -hmm. I think they were even more happy that I went that direction than I went direct, uh, than, than going the direction they wanted me to go. Because people really were, were pulled into, okay, wow, Tabish made that many mistakes. And some of them were, I was, I was transparent about it. But people saw what I learned from those things. And, and I think thereby the book did much better than it might otherwise have done. So here you come now telling me that they didn't do you wrong, you did it the wrong way. But that's yes. a lot of humility and a lot of transparency. Talk to me. I had a lot of time to think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't leave SNL and go straight back to L.A. like I should have. Mm -hmm. I went down, I went back to my stomping grounds in Miami, where I went to the University of Miami. I went back to that area and just kind of like 
to reflect. Mm -hmm. I, I had a book out, a relationship book out, and I was still getting work. And I had my phone was ringing. I did the movie Who's Your Caddy and uh, the comebacks mm -hmm. and uh, um, a Queen Latifah and Diane Keaton movie, Mad Money. I mean, the phone was ringing. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay. Well, I'll show Lauren Michaels and those guys. But when I look back on how I should have played it, I can't say it was arrogance. I just think I was just naive, mm -hmm. you know. I didn't understand the business part of show business like I saw my other castmates doing. Mm -hmm. And their dedication to that hit character that might change their life and them putting the work into that preparation to come up with that type of character, uh, I wasn't doing that. Mm. I was like, when are we going to the club? Literally, I spent my New York years in nightclubs. What what cracked what cracked me up about that though is that you were you were an athlete, mm -hmm. so you understood discipline. Yes, you understood hard work. Mm -hmm. How did that fail you in this particular lane? I think it was frustration. I think it was like like maybe the first six shows I got to play Kobe Bryant when mm -hmm. he was going through his trouble with his wife. Um, Halle Berry was a host. I started to realize SNL would use you more if there was a black host. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and then I, re you know, Keenan and I realized, hey, they're not putting us on a lot. They would put you on a lot, Finesse. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it kind of switched. Then Keenan was on a lot. But then we started saying, well, maybe we should just write sketches together mm -hmm. so we can both be on so we could at least have the black sketch. <laughs> but uh, I think I just started getting more frustrated with the creative funny part of it because some things I didn't think was funny. Mm -hmm. Some things I was like, yeah, y'all putting that, y'all chose that over this. And then I just started to realize later that it wasn't about sometimes the funny sketch. It was about who wrote it. Mm -hmm. And that would kind of frustrate me, you know. And not that Tina Fey at the time didn't deserve all her sketches to be on or head writers, but there was a hierarchy. Sure. And I kind of came into the game like, you know, best athlete should be on the field, coach. Mm -hmm. And they didn't look at it like that. It was sort of like a wait your turn. But we did give you some some shine. We mm -hmm. did, you know, let people know you are on this show. And so, um, you know, and I and I didn't have a mentor to prepare me for New York City life because it was literally like fashion show, private party, Jay-Z, Puff Daddy. These, <laughs> whoever's the who's that, who. That, that can get you in trouble. It could get you in trouble. <laughs> We were literally like, where are we going tonight? And mm -hmm. I think Keenan and I uh, went out almost every night, and we would come back to SNL at 2, 3 in the morning and look at each other and say, what are we going to write? Yeah. You know, because they, people would spend the night in there on write night. Yeah. Um, we took Sundays off, and then we started back on Monday, you know. But uh, I look back on it, and I say, you know what? When I saw people walking up and down those hallways in character, I shouldn't have called them nerds. Yeah. I should have been saying what you're working on. Yeah. <laughs> since, since you mentioned Keenan a few times now, uh, what do you make of his long run? Ain't no Negro in the history of SNL who's had the long run that Keenan has had. What, what do you make of that? I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I know I know how Lauren worked back then and how he thinks, and, mm -hmm. and I love the fact that he embraced Keenan because before it was Keenan, it was Daryl Hammond as the longest-running cast member. Mm -hmm. But... I think I asked Keenan one day, like, you you know, you don't want to, what you doing? Mm -hmm. Remember when we came in, we said we're going to treat it like college? Mm -hmm. Four years and then we out. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, but I thought about it. I never went to college for that. So I don't know how many years you're supposed to be there. <laughs> and he said, uh, and we watched 
at the time, Jimmy Fallon come off the show mm -hmm. and didn't have instant success. Yeah. Until Lauren, you know, set up the Tonight Show. And we and we watched a couple of people come off the show and we like, mm, what are they doing now? Mm -hmm. So I think it was just a safe place for Keenan to stay yeah. until he figured it out. Seventeen years later, he gets his own shot as his own sitcom on NBC called Keenan, mm -hmm. and I think that did two years. But normally, two years on a talk on a TV show in primetime doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You're done. Mm -hmm. He can go back to SNL, yeah. and I'm glad that that door is still open for him. Yeah. I think he played it the right way, Tavis, and I think a lot of times when you're on an ensemble show or you get your opportunity to have a network bless you with a TV show. Yes, yeah, their business to take advantage of you, but it's your chance to parlay it into something else and play nice. Yeah. And some people don't know how to play nice. We're too busy concentrating on blue M&Ms, yeah. temperature water, <laughs> you know, trying to be a star. You know? uh, I, don't want, I don't want to spend all my time talking about SNL, so we just want one, one final thing, we'll move on here. Um, I, I assume, though, you tell me, I assume um, the lessons notwithstanding, there is value when people introduce you by saying, as I did today, SNL alum, mm -hmm. Vanessa Mitchell. There's value in that? Lauren Michaels told me I could say that for the rest of my life yeah. and get work. Yeah. And he was absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. He told me a lot of stuff. I, I appreciate him to this day. He picks up the phone and or returns an email within the day of me sending it. Mm -hmm. So we still have that relationship. And I think when people are that powerful, I remember I said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about I want to have my own talk show. He put me in the president of NBC's office two days later. Mm -hmm. Like he's a very powerful dude sitting out, sitting out there in New York mm -hmm. City. I, I was talking to a comedian last night. I was at the Laugh Factory performing, and he whispered in my ear, because we were talking about Netflix specials. He said, there's not too many people in this business uh, that's our skin color finesse that can fail up. White people fail up mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Fail and get a better job. Mm -hmm. But when we fail or fall flat, it's like, that's why we're so scared to help each other, because yeah. we don't think our opportunities are going to come back around again. Yeah. You know, if we wasted helping another brother yeah. or another sister. And so um, I just think looking back on it, man, I, I count my blessings that um, I can humble myself and say I messed that up. Yeah. Because I, I could have worked hard and I didn't. There are – I want to come back to hard work in a second here uh, and what the value of that, what you learned about that is. Um, since you mentioned Lauren Michaels, um, there have been years, I mean stretches, where I just didn't find SNL funny at all. Mm -hmm. um, that's just me, and I ain't the only one. Mm -hmm. um, they go through stretches where they're funny, and it all depends on who, who the president is and what's happening in the zeitgeist and whether or not mm -hmm. there's a character that I want to see every week or whether or not Alec Baldwin's playing Donald Trump. or yeah. you know, There are these moments where they have they have these runs. Yes. Um, but whatever you think of SNL uh, – the genius of Lauren Michaels is undeniable. Undeniable, and not just on that show, but I mean, his his uh, to your point, he his his arms stretch pretty wide mm -hmm. in this business. What have you learned? Or what did you learn? What are your takeaways from being exposed to that level of genius in this game? I think uh, he definitely knows talent. Mm -hmm. uh, that's undeniable. The people that have been on that show uh, have been staples in comedy you know you can go from from john belushi eddie murphy will ferrell adam sandler you know tina fey maya rudolph these people when we think about these people and their body of work we instantly smile or laugh and we mm -hmm. realize what they contributed snl is the funniest during political seasons mm -hmm. he'll tell you that everybody knows that if there's an election coming up we get higher ratings. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have Tina Fey playing Sarah Palin, it's comedy gold because she looks like her. And not mm -hmm. only that, she can deliver the funny. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you get a good 
you know, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Donald Trump. You know, it's, it's just funnier. People want to know SNL's take. I do like the fact that he has started leaning into stand-up comedians more, which sometimes we kind of took a back seat back in the day. Yeah. But they're, ho- they're more stand-up comedian hosts. Tiffany Haddish, Pete Davidson, uh, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, to me, had the most iconic... I was just cold about to, open I, I just ever to, in the history of the show. Let's go there. Let's go there. I, I want to ask you that. What did you make? Because I was, I'm, I'm a Chappelle fan. Uh, just some a few days ago, I I was literally transfixed when he did that monologue. The longest I think ever in the history of it, I said, no, it right. had to be. It, it wasn't short. Right. But anyway, let me shut up. What was your Brilliant. take? What was your take on? It? Brilliant. Yeah. I think the guy. I think the guy. The way he thinks and the way he can deliver a joke and walk that line is brilliant. I think uh, the Jewish community saying, oh, he's an anti-Semite. Then you didn't even watch the monologue. You just listen for buzzwords, you know. Same thing when he got in trouble with the transgender community. Uh, oh, if you actually listen to the entire show and listen to what he was telling you, he was trying to normalize the fact that if we can laugh at transgenders, then they have a seat at the table that's equal to everyone else because we definitely tearing up everybody else. And why do, you, why do you think folk didn't or still don't get that point? Because they're looking to be upset. What they're upset about defines them as a person. Mm-hmm. It, it fuels them when they wake up in the morning and they get paid off of being upset. Jim Jordan, mm-hmm. you were talking about mm-hmm. not being able to secure the votes and them, and them saying he's been there for 16 years and hasn't passed one piece of legislation. He gets paid off of being a disruptor. Mm-hmm. So when you get your check and your popularity and get to keep your seat from people who are just as angry as you are or don't know what to be angry about, and you're defining <laughs> it for them, Yeah, that's who you become. Mm-hmm. And that's why so even though off camera and off the record you say, yeah, I get it, I understand. But as soon as that light come on, you're back to being that antagonist because that's what pays your bills. Mm-hmm. And that's who people know you as and that's who defines you. You can, you can show people all the proof in the world. What they'll say, I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Whose proof is that? Who's, mm-hmm. Whose truth is that? Who, where did you get that from? Like uh, the eyewitness who was actually in the shooting. Well, what did you what did, what did you say to her? What did you do to her? It's like it's never enough. So, so, so let, me, let me let me see if I can connect these dots. Uh, you, you're so bright. I know you can you can take it and run with it. What does that reality uh, about the American people? Uh, and these are the folks who sit in your audiences every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that the truth is what each of us determines it to be. Right. There's nothing uh, objective about right. the truth these days. Uh, what does that do to a comedian who's trying to, to use your phrase, deliver the funny? That this is a, that my point is that the audience is more skeptical now right. than ever before, and that's the that's that's the frame that you're in. Absolutely. As a comedian, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd re- it's so easy to hold entertainers to the fire and to it is so easy to hold them accountable to their words when they were in the spirit of just entertaining you and they made a mistake Mm -hmm. they made a left turn when they should have made a right and now you're saying you don't ever want to hear from them again but you won't do the same to politicians Mm. principals teachers clergymen Mm. you know it's just it's we're like low-hanging fruit and we don't have anybody that will protect us. When we really woke up that day saying, I'm going to make somebody laugh today. <laughs> oh, I wrote the best transgender joke ever. That's how they started. That's how they started. I'm going to make somebody laugh today. I'm gonna and by, con- by midnight, you've been canceled. I'm going to connect yeah. 
uh, Kobe Bryant dunking on people to Jews dunking on Hamas. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're canceled twice. Yeah. Now you can't walk around L.A. <laughs> and you can't go to Israel. I, I, never thought, I never thought about that way. That when you wake up in the morning, your, your goal every day is to make somebody laugh. To be and, clever. And, and in the process of doing that, you never know where that's going to land you. Yes, because people actually come to the show now. Uh, to not only express that outrage if they disagree with your point of view, mm-hmm. but now these nuts are coming up on stage, mm-hmm. you know? And it was kind of happening before Will Smith, but it started happening a lot more after Will Smith mm-hmm. that, oh, I can just really tell him I disagree mm-hmm. by putting my hands on him. Mm-hmm. And, and the security in a comedy club is the worst. <laughs> They are smaller than your producer sitting behind this glass. This guy looks 14 years old. They are smaller than that gentleman in a comedy club. So you really have no protection. Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, are you, are you ever scared or concerned? Is your wife ever scared or concerned these days when you step on stage? Uh, no, because Tavis, I have taken a conscious effort to tell broad jokes my entire career mm-hmm. to make everybody laugh. And you played football. And I played football. I'm not a small guy. <laughs> As Gary Owen would say, yeah. I'm not a small guy. Yeah. You know, white boy Gary yeah, Owen who's yeah. been, you know, making the black folks laugh for forever. Yeah. He's 6'3". Yeah. Like 220. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't worry about that. And and the way I do comedy, uh, comedy now is a social media event. Yeah. Everything has to go on social media. And that's the only thing I have to do now because people know I'm a comedic genius. Yeah. And that's me saying it humbly. Yeah. I'm dope on stage. Yeah. My social media numbers don't reflect it because I just don't go after attacking certain people. Yeah. You know, and I do not, um, you know, I don't say the N-word a lot. You know, I'm just not that kind. Let's talk about that. The N-word, social media. I, I love following. We have a great guest. You just follow him. This, 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 is, this is easy. As a matter of fact, I don't even need to be here. I can just walk out and let Finesse do the rest of the show. I'm not going to do that. So we'll continue our conversation when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. To make, to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. I said many times that sometimes the best part of these shows, and I should really stop saying this because I, I hear it time I say it, like, what, how's the audience supposed to take that? That the best part of the show happens in the commercial breaks. It goes from here to there during the commercial break, and we'll try to reprise some of that. So I literally find myself telling great guests, uh, don't tell me that yet. Just wait till you get back on the air, please. <laughs> yep. I had to tell Finesse that twice. Uh, shut up, Negro. I need to hear that on the air, not during the commercial break. Uh, let me tell you, uh, speaking of Finesse, let me tell you uh, a couple of uh, uh, uh Things about his schedule that you'll want to be aware of. Some road dates here. He's at the Comics Roadhouse um, uh, at the Mohegan Sun Casino here. Uh, that's in Connecticut. Yeah. Yes. I've been there a couple of times. That's a nice casino. Nice casino. Very nice. The Mohegan Sun Casino, he is in Connecticut November 9th through the 11th. Uh, he is uh, uh, on the Matt Rife Problematic Comedy Tour November 15th through the 19th in all the major Texas cities. Mm-hmm. So, again, uh, Mohican Asan Casino, November 9th through 11 in Connecticut, November 15th through 19 in all the major Texas cities, the Matt Rife Problematic Comedy Tour. Uh, and uh, I just learned something today. I, I did not know that um, Finesse was a fraternity brother. Yo, yo. K-A-P-P-A. There you go. A-L-P-H-A. There you go. P-S-I. <laughs> 
Woo, Kappa Alpha Psi. Yo, 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 yo. There you go. I, I can I can join you in that. Uh, Saturday, <laughs> December the second, uh, in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Memorial Home, uh, the Cincinnati Alumni Chapter of KA Psi doing their uh, uh, Centennial Comedy Show. That's comedy with a K. Comedy with a K, there brother. They are the, they're the Cincinnati brothers of. Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, the alumni chapter, are celebrating 100 years wow. of existence wow. in the Cincinnati market. I take great pride in, in letting you know that I pledge at the Alpha chapter. Wow. Yeah, so I Indeed. take that Anna. finesse. Wow. I was talking about Capital Brothers, uh, I pledge at the Alpha chapter. The conversation is over, sir. There you go. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You don't even. There you go. You sh- Man, no dues. There you go. You, you pay no money, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I, I, I wish that were the case. <laughs> sometimes it is, sometimes it ain't. Um, but I, I didn't realize this. So uh, I'm trying to think of all the the capa the capa comics. So there's you. Yeah, there's Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric, I know. There's nephew Tommy. Right. Uh, there's Joe Claire, who just uh. been celebrated fiftieth uh, or uh, uh, Rap City's fiftieth right. hip hop anniversary. Right. Um, Red, Red, Red Grant. Red Grant. Red Grant. Tried to run for mayor of D.C. Well, he did run for he mayor He did run. He didn't try. He ran. He ran. Yeah. Now he's running for councilman. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, that's a nice little list. That's a nice list. Bro. Yeah, yeah. So, kind of alphas are Supreme Court justices and... And, you know, and, and, if you want to and civil rights leaders, if you want to be that, yeah, if you want to do that, <laughs> I guess you want to help people. Yeah, we got this comedy thing on lockdown. We got this comedy thing on lock. <laughs> take that cues. Yeah, yeah. Take, take that, that sigmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, as I tell my Q friends, I know you play us, but did you graduate? Exactly. That's my line for my Q friends who are gonna be cussing me out the rest of the day. My brother's a Q. Yeah. And still wears those gold boots. <laughs> you see that? He's 60 <laughs> years old, sir. <laughs> Let me get off the cues and the alphas. I love you all. Um, you, we, talk, we talked earlier, you talked earlier a couple of times about the notion of hard work. And I, I just want to just pivot for a second and ask you, what have you learned um, all these years later about mm-hmm. hard work, the value of it, and to your SNL stories earlier, that there ain't no way around it? Um, well, in my business, in my line of work, um, you can go for the quick joke, quick hitter. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that works. There's times on SNL when uh, uh, myself, JB Smooth from Kirby Enthusiasm, and uh, and Keenan Thompson, we wrote something within the hour, mm-hmm. and that made it on air. Versus us spending five hours trying to write one sketch, and it just never saw the light of day. Yeah. Um, Post SNL, um, I creatively work hard coming up with ideas, concepts because I'm a script writer now. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll be working on a project with Tiffany Haddish in 2024, uh, a feature movie called Cray vs. Cray. But it took me two and a half years to write it. Because mm-hmm. it took me two months to write it. But I knew if I wanted it to be good, mm-hmm. I needed to take my time with it because I wanted it to be a certain type of rom-com. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned just the details do matter. you know, Because when you present stuff for the first time, you can't present it a second time, and it's mm-hmm. new already. It's not. So when I want to impress people and blow people away, I would rather make sure it's ready and make sure every piece of uh, everything in the recipe of a gumbo that should be in a gumbo is there. Mm-hmm. So if somebody from Louisiana actually tastes your gumbo <laughs> and not Vermont, <laughs> they will know yeah. that they taste some good gumbo. Yeah. You know? what, what is the trick to making black rom-coms work? Authenticity and 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 it just can't be cheesy. And by rom coms, I mean I think most people know this. We're in Hollywood. We mean by that we mean romantic comedies. In yes. Hollywood, they're just called rom coms. I'm sorry, to finish. We all have something in common with our dysfunctional love, Tavis. Mm-hmm. And and you can only understand your dysfunction. You know, 
me and my wife's dysfunction and you looking at it from the outside, you're like, man, is she treating you right? Uh, oh, man, she called me that name every time I make a late. That's that's what she does, yeah. you know. But um, I think when you touch on stuff that's broad and then you and then all of a sudden it gets really niche, mm-hmm. people say, whoa, finesse. It's like you're in my house. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's right, because there's no way what I'm going through can't be any different from what you're going through mm-hmm. and what men say we don't like and what women say we don't like. But then where's the comedy in that truth? And then some of that hurt yeah. and then some of that pain and mm-hmm. some of that miscommunication. Where's the comedy in it? When you can com- combine it all together, yeah. you got a classic. Um, I have never asked this question of anyone in all the years I've been blessed to do this on television and radio and not heard uh, as the answer Richard Pryor. So you know the question. <laughs> Who, who's the goat, right? And everybody says, um, everybody says Pryor. And when you think about Pryor and others who have done some pretty amazing work, um, it is true, as you intimated a moment ago, that good comedy oftentimes comes from pain. Mm-hmm. You ain't lived the most painful life. I mean, no. you, you've been very fortunate. Yes. And yet you're f- remarkably funny, um, gut-achingly funny. So I guess one doesn't have to experience pain to be a great comedian. You can uh, experience pain, pain through osmosis. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I can watch somebody else's pain and say, I don't want to go through that. But let me write that joke because I saw how he was crying. He was just saying he was a thug. Look at him crying right now on his knees. You know, uh, I just I say all the time that uh, the something that if you can mirror some something that's real, something that you saw that's real and just change the names. Right. It's probably one of your best jokes. Right. I, I definitely think Richard is the goat. I definitely think uh, Eddie Murphy would have been the goat mm-hmm. had he kept going. Mm-hmm. Nobody has delivered a special like Delirious and Raw effortlessly at that age yeah. of, of where he was in his career. Let me ask you a question about that. Um, mm-hmm. Because everybody, you know, we keep waiting with bated breath because they, they've teased it a couple times that Eddie's going to come back, A's going to come back, A's going to come it back. It won't be the same. Eddie ain't came back. See, yeah. You answered my, question, you answer my question already. If I'm Eddie, and I, who am I to tell Eddie what to do? Right. But that stuff is so classic. I right. don't know that I want to give people a chance to say that. Eh, eh, right. Eh. It's like coming to America too. Yes. Negro, leave it alone. There are people <laughs> like myself. I may, my wife will tell you, I may go out three of three, sometimes maybe four times a week if I'm in town mm-hmm. to go to the clubs to shoot these layups. Yeah. We are in the gym, Tavis. Yeah. There are like five major clubs here in L.A. And and the major headliners that you got to go pay $150 for on the road, mm-hmm. you can go see for $20 mm-hmm. on any given night in L.A. And they come up there with their sheets of paper. Working, working their material. And they working it out. Because yeah. when they go hit that city and you just paid $150, you got to yeah. kind of give them a show. Oh, yeah. So I am always in the gym shooting layups. Yeah. Always. And so the thing that I know for certain, that I know for a fact that I heard about Eddie and his comeback is that he was bringing some people to the house right. to perform in front of them. Mm-hmm. Can't do it that way. Can't, yeah, yeah. You can't bring people to your mansion. <laughs> they gonna laugh at anything you say. They don't want to be rude. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> you know what I mean. You have to go to the club where people have the right to boo you. Yeah. But nobody's booing anybody nowadays. They'll let you work it out. Yeah. Um, Dave Chappelle, I I think is the most genius comic working today. Uh, him and Bill Barr just have me in stitch. Yeah, Bill yeah. Burr, Bill Burr, Bill Burr, Bill Burr is hilarious. Very different person yeah, than Bill yeah. Barr. Yeah, yeah. But Bill Burr is hilarious, and Dave Chappelle is hilarious. But I've seen Dave Chappelle turn over an hour. We've seen it. Yeah. 
who who's done seven comedy one hour specials in seven years? Dave Chappelle. Dave uh, Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. But we're talking to Finesse Mitchell. No, we're talking about the Finesse Mitchell. Exactly. And I got some some more stuff. Because I got one coming out on Tubi. Let's talk about it. Hey. Let's talk about it when we come forward on Tampa. Tubi, Smiley. here we come. Who need Netflix? <laughs> hey. Who need that money? What's your core with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Our guest is uh, Finesse Mitchell, and uh, I got to, I'm watching this clock. It's getting tight. I would just throw some things at you and just kind of get your take on things. Um, Tavis, you're OG. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. I, know. I just want to say that on the air. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, can I just throw some things at you? Absolutely. Uh, Donald Trump? I don't understand how <laughs> I can avoid prison just by saying I'm running for president. I think black people, if they know they could have just said they were running for president, no one would be in jail. I don't know why they didn't say it. Don't know. But I'm saying it, and you can't lock me up because I have a debate next week. So forget the guilty stuff because I'm running for president. 91 felonies. Feds never make a mistake. Well, they made 91 mistakes this time. 91 problems, but Trump ain't one. <laughs> you, you met Trump back in your SNL days. Yes, I did. Yeah. Charismatic dude. Yeah. He knew my name before I said hello, and it just made me an instant fan. Yeah. Because when I heard, is that Finesse Mitchell? <laughs> I turned around. I was like, man, how you know my name? I, I've been doing my research. This is, And he was still talking the same way. Yeah. This is going to be the highest rated episode in the history of Saturday Night Live <laughs> because I'm here. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm just impressed because Lauren Michael still called me Febreze. There you go. So that's crazy. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned Jim Jordan earlier. What what do you make of this 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 this? I call it the haunted house, bro. Yeah. First of all, I think Jim Jordan is a traitor to the Constitution. Yeah. I'm gonna go hard on him. Yeah, I don't think he deserves to be the speaker. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he deserves his office. But of course he. But I just think if you assist in an insurrection mm-hmm. and that's been proven, mm-hmm. then regardless of you just plan to, you can't be the third in line to be president. If something goes wrong with this country, when you and still to this day do not uh, say out loud publicly that the election was not stolen mm-hmm. between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. How can you represent this country fairly, even if you're just for the Republicans? Yeah. But on that particular day that you had a hand in, you turned on everybody because everybody's life was in danger. So yeah. I just think that should automatically disqualify you. And he should have more humiliation than Mike McCarthy did. Yeah. 15 votes for Mike McCarthy. Kevin, Kevin McCarthy, Kevin, yes. Kevin McCarthy, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, So I mm-hmm. think Jim Jordan can should go through the same thing. Well, he, he he's, he's on vote number. Just, he just failed number two. The only we'll thing is, is that, that we third, need a speaker. Third. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, it won't be Hakeem Jeffries if they have anything to say. It won't it. be. Hakeem Jeffries, yeah. even though it could be, but it won't be, but it should be. You got him down. You got him down. Uh, right right quick. Nope, here. nope. He's a captain. Yeah, he is. He is indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, your thoughts on being a girl dad? Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's horrible, but I love it. <laughs> it's horrible, it's horrible, but, I, but love I love it. You know, they mm-hmm. don't respect sports. They say stuff like, didn't your team lose yesterday? Were you watching them again today? <laughs> like, it's the stuff that I hear. I made breakfast this morning, and I heard my daughter ask my wife, is this safe to eat? Wow. On that note. <laughs> didn't she say that? <laughs> Mommy, is this okay to eat? I guess it's Vanessa Mitchell. Our remaining moments with you when we come forward on Tavis. <laughs> 
interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. And Finesse Mitchell. Uh, and what a great hour this has been. We're going to talk uh, in just uh, another few minutes here. My third hour today is all about Sly Stone. Uh, his mm-hmm. memoir is finally out. And uh, Ben Green, Greenman, uh, the, the co-author uh, with uh, Sly, is our guest in Hour 3. So we're going to play a lot of great Sly music and talk about Sly Stone in Hour 3. But we wrap now these last few minutes with uh, Finesse Mitchell. Uh, Finesse, one last issue I want to throw at you again. My time is tight. Okay. Um, Jada. Everybody's talking about Jada in the book. And what's, what's, what's your take on that? Uh, Jada Pinkett, just take a break from all <laughs> devices, all media outlets, yeah. all, just don't even think, mm-hmm. just lay down, mm-hmm. take a long nap, just take a long, just nap. take a long nap, Jada, <laughs> I don't know what that man did to you, I guess he deserved it, mm-hmm. but just, just give us a break, mm-hmm. how about you give us a break, Jada, can we have a week of that, just like, exactly black I, love and unity and, just give us a break. That's why I love comedians, man, at their best. I mean, that's, that's what I've been wanting to say, and I couldn't say it in in, in the funny. I couldn't deliver the funny the way you There's did. There's uncovered trauma there that she has not exposed. That marriage has gone on too long, and they have been around too many people and done too many things to each other yeah. for her to go this hard in the paint. Yeah. I mean, but give us a break. Give Tupac a break. Give everybody a break. Let us rest. Yeah. I got two minutes left here, Um, okay. and I should explain this because I see my phone has kept blowing up, and I wasn't paying attention to it because attention to you um everybody saw this beautiful woman like walk in the studio while we were live on air mm-hmm. and one of us should explain who how she got here and who she is and why she's here because she's not connected to me and i don't want to buy calling me saying well, who's that fine <laughs> woman you had to walk in your studio and i gotta explain that so i don't want to explain it my very first concert i've ever gone to was a debarge concert at the omni in atlanta with luther vandross and the deal that's I that's was 12 years old that's the show luther the deal and the barge. Oh Lord Jesus! That's and a show, man. all these years later, I met this woman doing the movie Who's Your Caddy um, with uh, Edmonds Entertainment, and she worked with Tracy Edmonds. And her name is Adrice the Barge. And when I saw her, I said, "Lord, if I wasn't engaged, <laughs> I would talk to you." Well, lo and behold, eighteen months later, when that marriage didn't work out, her Facebook re- status said single. And I brought, came back out here to L.A. and took her to the Cheesecake Factory, and we have been together ever since. And she is the— That is Adris DeBarge, the mother of my beautiful two children and uh, love of my life. Despite the fact that he took me to the Cheesecake Factory <laughs> on our first date, <laughs> here we are. Love you. Love you back, babe. Yeah, and, and, and her father is— Elder Barge. Who I love. She's the firstborn. I love, love, love. Eldra. Eldra DeBarge. Eldra DeBarge. Uh, all right, let me, let me do these dates. I, I got to get you out of here. Um, again, uh, the dates for Finesse Mitchell. Mohegan uh, Sun Casino in Connecticut, November 9 through 11. Uh, the sold-out Matt Rife Problematic Comedy Tour, November 15 through 19. All major Texas cities. And the Kappas, here he comes, uh, Cincinnati, for the Cincinnati Alumni uh, Chapter, Capital Alpha Psi, KSI, uh, Centennial Comedy Show with a K. That's the 2nd of December in Cincinnati. Yes. FinesseMitchell.com. All my tickets will be at FinesseMitchell.com. There you go. Uh, Instagram, Finesse Mitchell. Facebook, Finesse Mitchell. <laughs> Everything. F-I-N-E-S-S-E. Don't be P-H. No. F-I-N-E-S-S-E. Febreze, I've enjoyed this immensely, and I want to thank you. You're OG triple. Tavis, when I first saw you in Shawshank, I said, Andy Dufresne might be my cellmate now, but if I can just get to Tavis smiling. We would be out of this prison a lot sooner because he could talk his way out of anything. Finesse, I love you, man. Love come, you come see us again. You got it. Uh, we'll talk about Sly Stone when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. <laughs>